0: Hey everybody, thanks for listening to The Rec. This is Joseph Malord. Next Tuesday, Liverpool plays Hoffenheim in the first leg of this Champions League final qualifying round. Basically, the last hurdle before the group stage. Now, you might know a lot about Liverpool, but Hoffenheim is just as interesting, especially this past year. Here to discuss that with me is our guest today jonathan harding an english football writer who happens to do his work in germany and does it well one of the best follows on the bundesliga we're going to be talking about hoffenheim what they can do their most dangerous player their young superstar coach and at the end john shares some interesting words on Kristen palichas because why not this is an american podcast so let's get to it it's only about 15 minutes you won't regret it let's go So I, I just have to say, this was inevitable from the moment that you tweeted after the Champions League draw about how uh, the four best teams got drawn together.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: First question about Hoffenheim is, uh, how did so how did they do it la- last season? 20 years ago, they weren't even... They were tears below the Bundesliga, and now they're in the Champions League. How did they get here?
1: Well, it's it seems it seems a bit crazy uh, to even be talking about them in this conversation based on on that stat alone. You know, how did a, a club like this get get into a conversation with Liverpool? Um, it's kind of crazy. Well, I think you can put it down to one man, and that's that's Julian Nagelsmann. Um, he's only been in charge for fifty games, and in that time, he's become the hottest property in terms of coaching. And I think that's that says an awful lot about him as a, as a head coach. He took them from a side that were in trouble in terms of getting relegated nearly or in the relegation zone. And, and basically, from that point on, it's, it's been onwards and upwards. Uh, they've become a much more versatile team tactically. Uh, they haven't necessarily got a big group of stars, but what Nagelsmann has done... Has made them be a much stronger collective force. They work much better as a team um, than they used to. And I think you know, you've, you you look at the reasons why this is working. You know, Nagasman has become such a successful coach in a small period of time. And I don't think it would work in a different environment. You know, he started out half an hour. He knows the club inside out. He had great success under nineteen level, and he's come up and he's got guys who are playing for him because he's making them buy into the project and the philosophy that he has. And a lot of the guys that are in the team are very young. And it's easy to do that with younger players because their motivation is to get better and be better players. And if a new manager comes in and says, hey, this is the way we're going to play and we're going to win this way, you're going to believe it. I think that's what's made him so effective. The the right environment at the right time. He's got his side very tactically flexible. The the thing about them that makes me so excited is you know, they can play... More often than not, they play sort of a 3-5-2, 5-4-1. Five, five, mm. I quite like the formation uh, against Bayern. At the end of last season, at home, they won 1-0. And I was there for that game. And I was so impressed with the way that they played against a Bayern Munich team that had basically not faced a team in Germany like this in what felt like six months. They had... you got to understand the Nagelsmann sort of psyche a bit. He's, he's got absolutely an eye on every single tiny detail in the summer uh, after saving them from relegation he he went out and he bought a defender who was on paper pretty average but he bought him from Ingolstadt and everyone was like why is he buying this guy it doesn't make any sense basically he looked at the research and the numbers they hadn't had enough percentage of successful headers one from defenders so they were like I need some height and I need a guy who's going to be tall and win the ball in the air for me. So he buys this guy, mm. who's got great stats at winning the ball in the air, whacks him in the center of defense. they play three at the back with two wing backs who are basically one of whom is basically a reformed winger. It's absolutely crazy. Stefan Zuber is now like marked Iron Robin out of the game. <laughs> uh, unbelievable performance. And you, you because the collective works so well, everybody knows where they need to be at the same time. And, where to play and how to play. And this 3-5-2 formation is an example of that. Taking a player like Kevin Fawkes from Cologne for something like a million and a half euros, nothing. Making him your quarterback type of player who plays in the center of defense, but also holding midfield, moving between the lines. It's amazing. It's amazing to see a side so tactically flexible in such a short window. I think that's how they've got there. And I think that's why they'll stick around.
0: I want to hang on to one point that you said right there, which was that... You said in no other environment would Julian Nagelsmann be able to uh, be where he is right now, uh, and I think I guess maybe a important number that we could point out right now is the fact that there are I believe six other or six in total uh, coaches in in the Bundesliga right now who are uh, in their thirties. I think that, that that's right. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. What what are the circumstances that led to Hoffenheim? deciding to hire basically their U19 coach? Because I, I think that was his last position, if I'm not yeah. mistaken.
1: Yeah, and I think you're right to point out that statistic. It's, it's, it's systematic of the way that Germany has developed coaching-wise in the last few years, and it all starts with, with Jürgen Klopp, really. He was given a chance at Mainz to be a coach in his 30s and to show what he was capable of. And, and actually, when one club takes a chance I suppose on a young coach and it works other coaches and other teams have a look around and they say maybe we could maybe we could do that ourselves and I think Hoff and I were exactly like that and a lot of teams have followed on from that you know Thomas Tuchel was another coach that benefited from that at Mainz as well and as you say there are so many coaches in in the coming season that are young um Tedesco at Schalke um You, yeah, Nagelsmann at Hoffenheim, uh, Nuri at Bremen. There are so many coaches that are young and have been given a chance based on the work that they've done at youth level. And I think the reason is that actually there's quite a sound understanding in Germany. Julian Nagelsmann, coach of the under-19s, had success. I'm pretty sure they won the championship. What you do as an under-19 coach in the Bundesliga is not that different from a first-team coach. The only difference is the public awareness and the quality of the individuals. You still train the same amount of times. So you still have to come up with the same game plans. You still have a competitive league to play in. He's gathering experience as a he- as a head coach at a lower level. Why do we need to go out and get someone else for two or three years that may or may not work? If we can go with someone here who we feel already has the characteristics as a person, which you know, let's make no mistake, has a huge impact on how successful someone is at the club. Are they the right fit for the club? oh, this guy works for our club. Why would he not be the right fit? He understands what we want. He has a clear philosophy. And it's an easy progression. And I think a lot of clubs in Germany are making that decision now. And it can go wrong. Sometimes it doesn't work. Beder Bremen are a good example of that. The guy before, Nuri, Victor Skripnik, also a youth coach brought in, didn't work out. Um, but with Nagelsmann, you've got a guy who's got a clear plan for success, who works on the fine details. And I think that's why Hoffenheim made the decision to bring him up. It doesn't make any sense for a club like that. Um, to go out and find someone else and maybe risk two or three years of lost development.
0: So uh, just to make a point right now, Hoffenheim finished 13 points, I think it was, above Cologne for the fourth spot. So finishing the Champions League places pretty comfortably. Let's go to the man that you mentioned, Jurgen Klopp, obviously the manager of Liverpool. Probably the last thing that Liverpool fans heard of Hoffenheim was when they bought uh, Roberto Firmino from uh, the same club. Um, who's the guy that Klopp and Liverpool will have to look out now uh, for that match next Tuesday?
1: Well, yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of people who watched them last season would have instantly said someone like Sebastian Rudy or Nicolas Sula, and obviously they've been huge departures to Bayern Munich. But that says enough. You know, losing those two players to a team like Bayern Munich, that says a lot about how well Hoffenheim played last season. Uh, Replacing those is... Is not going to be easy. Um, but I think the loan signing of Serge Nabry is huge. Um, very, very good piece of business there from Hoffenheim. I think he's got to be a player that Liverpool have got to watch out for. Um, he's very fast, very good. He's got a point to prove, good finishing. Likes to be very, very active in the final third. And I think Liverpool will be aware of his... His threat and the danger that he poses from a midfield position, or maybe still in a slightly attacking mind. Um, Karim Demirbay, uh is a player that not many people would have had uh, on their radar at all. He actually lit it up a little bit for Germany at the Confederations Cup this summer. Um, just 24 years of age, wasn't really anybody's player, really, you know, drifted a bit uh, and, and came to Hoffenheim in a situation where you just thought it's a bit of an odd signing, you know, why, why are, uh, why are they signing him? But he's gone on to be a really important player for the way that Hoffenheim play. Obviously they do have these counterattacks and strong transitions where they need players who can make quick decisions and, and look good. But, you know, Demerbay didn't really get his chance at Hamburg, didn't really get his chance uh, to impress at Dusseldorf, hasn't really looked like, you know, the type of player for a really long time. And yet here he is 24 and he's now, a really important player in this Hoffenheim team. So I think offensively, Kerem Demerabai and Serge Naby will pose a threat. Sandra Wagner on the break is always a troubling striker. He's the kind of guy that you hate to play against but love to have on your team. And I think if Liverpool can try and get to this back three, if that's what Nagelsmann goes me goes with with the, with the wing-backs, then that could cause some trouble. If you can upset Kevin Fork in that quarterback position, that can t- sometimes cause some problems problems for half nine but i think as i said earlier less about the individuals more about the collective and that's going to be liverpool's biggest task trying to stop that entire unit from being successful
0: and uh i mean how much uh are you expecting the prospect of i mean what some people what some liverpool fans would think is an upset
1: um Hmm. Yes, I can understand why some Liverpool fans would think that. Although I would say yeah. that most Liverpool fans are very confident all of the time. Right. So, <laughs> I, mean, I, made a point to, I made a point to emphasize uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I think it's. I think from a Liverpool perspective, it's very important not to underestimate this team. Um, I think it's far too easy to go into this and think, "Hey, um, yeah." We, we, we should we should be winning this because, you know, we're favourites. I think that's a dangerous uh, position to take. Nagelsmann is very successful because he connects with his players. Klopp is very successful because he connects with his. And I think that's what will be interesting. My biggest critique of Jürgen Klopp is that he hasn't got as much tactical flexibility as I think he could perhaps have as a coach. Um, Julian Nagelsmann, on the other hand, in my opinion, has great tactical flexibility, especially for someone of his age. So do I think the possibility of an upset is on the cards? Yes, but I don't necessarily see it as an upset. Liverpool are a much, much bigger club. Make no mistake about that. They have prestige, they have history, they have huge amounts of success behind them, and they are up against a side that have never been in this position before. They've never qualified for Europe. So in that sense... This is absolutely Liverpool's game to lose. But I don't think that on paper, um, the collective force of Hoffenheim is that far behind the individual qualities of Liverpool.
0: Right, right. Um, so last last question. Uh, Liverpool is in the midst of trying to hold on to Coutinho um, from Barcelona, who has a whole bunch of cash right now. And it looks like they're looking at another player, Dortmund's Usman Dembele, um, which regardless of whether the likelihood of that transfer um, happening, that makes me think of the prospect of Kristen Pulisic, you know, owning a starting uh, a starting place in, in Dortmund's lineup. How much uh, do you think is reasonable for, for American fans specifically to expect from Pulisic this season?
1: I think, I'll be quite honest with you, I think if Dortmund sell Dembele, Christian Pulisic is the most important player in Dortmund's attacking team. Wow. And I think what was going to be a very big season for him would be a potentially life-changing season for him. I mean, make no mistake... um, Uh, He is already an extreme talent and rightfully, you know, carrying or flying the flag, if you like, uh, in Europe for American players. But if Dortmund sell Dembele, who for me has been a brilliant player in a very short period of time, and the transfer is kind of systematic of the window at the moment where um, small sample size means of quality means large amounts of value, therefore let's spend lots of money. And ultimately, if Barcelona come calling for you, it's very difficult, whoever you are, um, or to say no. If he goes, you lose a kind of direct link to Aubameyang. Um, you, I think I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but something like 15 goals last season that Dembélé set up for Aubameyang, right? So you're talking about a huge supplier. Um, that's why Christian Pulisic's role will suddenly become hugely important in the two and a half weeks left. In the transfer window, uh, the Dortmund will have to try and buy a replacement. Um, that's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be easy finding someone who's as good or as effective or represents as much value. And he's still going to bet into the team, so you've got to give him a bit of time, six months or whatever. So Pulisic is already way ahead of that because he's in the team, he knows the team, he knows the system. I genuinely think that if he if he can take that pressure on, that he's going to you know he's going to be an absolutely he's going to be a superstar, you know because. He he has the opportunity now to really say, hey, I'm not only one of the most important players of Dortmund and I'm in the squad and, you know, come off the bench and be an impact player. I'm a starting member of a Bristol-Dortmund team mm-hmm. week in, week out. And I'm, a, I'm an integral part of this attack. And that's an attack with Aubameyang, Marco Reus, Mario Götze. you know, the players that uh, Shinji Kagawa, who have been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you know. And I think it could be a huge season for him. I think, as I say, Dembele goes, Pulisic will be, you know, in, in a position to be like, right, this is my attack now. I can take the controls.
0: John, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Just over 15 minutes, I think we hit the mark.
1: Um, nice one. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, man. My pleasure.
0: If you like what you heard today, then you're definitely going to like our weekly soccer show, The Kickback. So subscribe to that show on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And be sure to follow The rec on Twitter and Instagram at The Running Wreck.